Welcome to the third episode of Counterweight. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I am Eric Brazier, and I am here as always with uh, Joel Goodwin. So on to this week's topic, which is replaying games, basically, about um, what you get out of replaying games, whether it's whether there's a point, um, you know, and, and ha- all, all everything to do with full replays, not just like a, a replaying bits of a game, just like, you know, why would you play you know, cart life more than once the same story or Dishonored or Twine games, etc. Right. So uh, go on, uh, do you want to hit me with any thoughts at the moment, Eric? Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting because when we talk about replaying games, I think we generally are talking about uh, replaying narrative games more so than we're talking about replaying, you know, other types of games. Uh, so I think we should make that distinction first yeah. and foremost because, of course... Um, as a, as a, uh, a male geek, I have sunk many, 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 many hours into civilization and Sim City and things like that. So, you know, it's interesting, I think, because when we're talking about replaying, we're talking about replaying basically the same experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas with those types of games, we're talking about more replaying sets of rules and with different outcomes each time. So... Yeah. Um, I don't know what 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 do you what do you make of that? Well, yeah, I was um, before I uh, we we came onto this call. I was also thinking about you know there's a sort of range of of uh, types of games where you know which which affect how replays work for individual players. And I was thinking like at the at the high replay end, you've got like stuff which is essentially procedurally generated. So you know something like Splunky or Tetris. Proteus, Curthill, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, although it does depend on the game, I think some of them, there's a sense that the d- discovery is random in the game so that you know, all the things in the game, you'll only find them if you replay about 20 times, 30 times. You know, roguelikes really, you know, there's so much stuff in net hack, but you only see it if you play it like umpteen billion times. Sure. But if you've really got through all those different um, uh, little pieces of, you know, little features hidden in it, um, will you want to play again? I mean, I wonder if how many times do people now play Proteus? I mean, if you've seen the forest about 20 times, 30 times, are you still there for the musical wonder of the experience? Or are you thinking, well, you know, I could do with seeing something new. Um, so that's kind of like the procedural end. And then that kind of blends a bit into like what you could call about repetition for performance or mastery of a game. So you play it several times to get better at the, the same game, like, Space Invaders is the only thing that pops out at me at the moment. There's no, there's very little randomness in Space Invaders. Um, so you're pretty much trying to, you know, improve on your on your skill set based, you know, faced with those um, with the patterns that the game is throwing at you, which is pretty much the same all the time. Yeah, it's, yeah. Isn't that super I'd, hexagon as well? I mean, I, I think that's muscle memory rather than randomness, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I, that that fits into you know a lot of those types of games. I mean, the, you know, super hexagon and. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of things like uh, a bit trip and, um, you know, stuff like that, where it's, you know, it's interesting when we talk about replaying things in general, because there really are two, you know, well, not two, I, I, more than that, really, I think, uh, you know, sets of goals we have when we replay things, because we're really talking about games that have 
a, a defined structure and have sort of a, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the game eventually does end. Um, and that fits a lot of games, but it doesn't fit all of them. And I think when we talk about replaying something like Super Hexagon, for example, uh, we're talking about something very different than if we're talking about replaying Proteus or if we're talking about replaying Dishonored. I think we're looking for different things in those experiences. I don't know that I would you play Dishonored with the intention of getting better at Dishonored, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it's very interesting that um, there's a there's a strange link there between games which have an ending and games which don't, um, whereas Space Invaders can go off into infinity and you can keep on playing it. It basically... It, it, it tries to kill you, and when it kills you, that's your game over, and you restart, you start right back in the beginning, and you don't know how far your game is going to go. Whereas something like Dishonored has, you know, it's a specific, you know, start and finish. There, there's there's no kind of like, oh, I'll keep on playing after I got to a certain point. Um, so uh, I don't know how that, that, that fits into things, but the kind of anomaly that stands out to me at the moment is Leave Home, which is like says, you've got five minutes to play, do your best. And that's it. You know, once you've exceeded those five minutes, then you'll have to start again. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about those short games, uh, and you can think talk about things like Leave Home or you can talk about things like, I mean, Space Invaders, uh, since you keep bringing Space Invaders up, you know, where uh, Leave Home is definitely five minutes and that's it. Um, and then if you want to replay the game, you start it over again. Whereas with something like Space Invaders, it can last as long as you want it to really i mean if you're a master space invaders player uh you could play for for 17 hours on one quarter so you know we're, we're sort of like dancing around it i think a little bit but uh the the intention of the developer i think is important here too um you know again to talk about something like uh, like dishonored um people generally would replay that game to get a different ending and to see the narrative play out in a different way, uh, whereas they're not doing that with Space Invaders because, of course, the narrative of Space Invaders is kill the aliens. Um, and when the aliens kill you, the game's over. So, I don't know. Yeah. The um, the sort of... I, I have this kind of uh, issue with with narrative-based games in the sense that I don't know what anybody's expecting out of them. Um, there's different ways of looking at what a narrative is supposed to be. Um, I mean, a branching narrative, not one which is just basically totally linear, like you know, Half-Life 2. There's nothing you can do to change the way that game plays out. Um, but when you look at your more modern games, um, something like you know, Dishonored or um, play other examples with a little uh, uh, you know, Mass Effect and stuff like that, um, is it, are they going for a personalized play which is basically you play the way you want to and so you get the ending that you deserve or is it like well you know you've got lots of replayability in there and I think sometimes the replayability is kind of harming the fact that the ending is is you know is supposed to have some emotional impact because it's like well that's a parallel universe and you know, I'm not in that one. You know, it's like I've played it like five times and I kind of like think all the endings are interesting and it sort of weakens each one that yeah. because none of them are your one. And I wonder if 
personalized endings are great, but people often, when it's just like, um, I'm thinking of Deus Ex, right? You've got three different endings and you only have to do a quick, quick load back to about, you know, five minutes for the end right. and replay it. And then you can see all three endings. So like, what, what really is the point of that? And now, of course, in the day of YouTube, you know, we can just watch all the endings on YouTube and we don't even need to play the game over and over again. Oh, God, um, I forgot. I, I mean, I mean, the, we're in 2010s now, aren't we? Yeah. It's not, not in the 1990s anymore. Well, well into them, in fact, almost uh, to the halfway point, which is scary. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, it, it, it's something that I, I was thinking about, um, especially with your Dishonored series uh, that just wrapped up uh, last week, but, you know, or the, or the week before, um, where... You know, you talked about playing Dishonored and replaying Dishonored with the intention of, you know, sort of playing it in a specific way to get a specific um, to get a specific uh, narrative there. And I generally I generally don't do that. I sort of play very practically and I I, I don't try and min max the narrative. Um, I know some people do try and do that. I generally don't find that all that interesting because I like to experience those kind of narrative games, you know, your Dishonored's and Mass Effects and, you know, even to go back um, 15 or 20 years to go, to go to like Baldur's Gate um, and things like that, where Baldur's Gate doesn't have really different endings, but you can see certain different things in the game depending on how intensively you play it. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a distancing effect when I replay a game and I'm going for a specific ending or a specific type of narrative. Mm. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily want to play Dishonored again with the intention of getting the high chaos ending. Um, yeah. I don't know that that would be interesting to me. I think, um, I mean, it all depends really. I think the way you were framing it there in terms of if you start to play for a specific ending, then it sort of, it changes the way you feel about the narrative. I think that a way to think about that, it's turned the narrative much more into a mechanic, right? You're no longer playing the story. Um, the, the story is now a mechanic in itself. You know, it's changing the way you're playing rather than, you know, the individual just like, I got to shoot this guy, get down here, whatever. Or I have to do it in a certain way to get a, to get my narrative, narrative ending number two. And it's, that's possibly why it doesn't feel so fun because, or it doesn't yeah. have the same impact because now it's a job. It's part of the, the, the rules of the game as opposed to, you know, oh, wow, this is just an interesting story. Yeah, and actually, you know, I know you haven't played um, any of the Mass, Effects game, Mass Effect games, but uh, I, I love those games and I, I you know, I, I played them eagerly as soon as they came out uh, each time, except for the first one where it took me, you know, two years to play it, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, and I find that interesting because, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the controversy over the three different endings of Mass Effect 3. I'm actually not that, I know there was a controversy, but that, that I don't know exactly what that controversy was well this discussion is making me think of that in a different light i mean basically what happened was i'm not going to go into what the endings were because i know you haven't played it but um and i respect you and your spoiler free lifestyle uh but basically what people were upset about was the fact that they felt that the three endings were very arbitrary in that your actions throughout the three games led to a specific point where you made one decision at the very end of the game and got three different endings, which all sort of were bad. 
And I find that to be almost, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's actually, you know, I don't know that the developers were intending this, but death of the author, uh, that that's almost a commentary on replaying games as a, a narrative mechanic would have it, you know, where, where maybe it's even making fun of the idea of replaying um, the game. You know, it's like, oh, you want three different endings? Well, here, we'll give it to you. And it's very much more of an old school Deus Ex style where you can save the game and replay the last five minutes three times and you see all three endings. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe they're just... I don't know. Maybe they were just uh, messing with us. <laughs> I think there's a, um, yeah, it's this cause and effect business mixed in with the um, the fact that you can undo anything. Um, so the, the our modern lifestyle with quick load and quick save means, of course, we can undo any 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 act we we make in the game, and so that sort of destroys cause and effect most of the time for players because oh, I didn't like that effect. I'll just reload and do it different a different way so all the dialogue decisions and maybe any actions you have to make take a take are actually you know now low powered because whatever i'll just undo it i didn't like that one rather than being your choice so there's basically only two ways to get around that which is one you either you know get rid of quick save or make it checkpointed or something like that so that people really have to bite the bullet after a massive battle which took them forever to get through then now we'll give you a checkpoint. Now you've made a narrative decision. Um, or alternatively, you um, basically hide what the consequences are. And that's that's a bit of a Pandora's box in itself, right? If, yeah. if no one knows what the consequences of decisions are, then you have to work pretty hard for the players not to feel that was unfair. Like, you know, I picked, I pulled the switch in level one, oh, and by the way, it, it blew me up on level six or something like that. How was I supposed to know that? Um, I think uh, from what I understand, having not played, I think The Walking Dead sort of treads that line pretty well. I was just about to, to mention The Walking Dead. It, it really does, and it does it in a very interesting way because it doesn't do it mechanically necessarily where you do something in the first uh, the first chapter um, you know, you, you, you don't jumpstart the car and in the sixth chapter, it, it's not there for you to escape a zombie and then you die. It doesn't work like that. It's much more, uh, of a personal thing and it's, it's much more on the level of I- interpersonal relationships between people. And so, you know, it, it, it messes with your expectations of that where you will do something and, you know, five chapters later, that person that you, didn't help or did help or whatever brings it up. And (laughs) that's really cool because you say, Oh, okay. This, this game is a lot smarter than I thought it was. It's, it's doing something very different at the same time though. I don't think that there's much desire on my part to replay the walking dead because Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, and that's, and that's the thing about replaying games, right? Is that, I don't replay a game to experience a different narrative. I would replay a game because I enjoy the narrative, sure. But I have to enjoy the underlying game that's also there and the rule structure and the gameplay, which is kind of a dirty word nowadays, but uh, I'll use it anyway. And, and the mechanics and, and just the, the I find the game to be interesting or fun or enjoyable or, you know, intellectually stimulating or whatever. Um and so I can't really think of many games where I would feel 
that the narrative and the game itself would be driving me to replay it, which maybe is a shame, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I have, I don't play replay games so much these days simply because of time constraints, but in the, uh, in my, um, youthful days like 10 years ago <laughs> i used to play games a lot more often i i swore by i would always play half-life and half-life 2 twice um i did enjoy uh, monolith's uh, fear as well uh, it was just kind of fun the plot not so much but the actual combat itself i kind of enjoyed um but it's it's rare for me to really want to play a game a second time. Most of the time, I feel like I've gone through a lot of hard work. Uh, Stalker, for example, there's a there's a lot of um, ambiguity in that game about um, some of the cause and effect and some of the missions at work. Uh, that's how some of the missions play out. Um, but uh, it was like um, it was quite an oppressive game, and going through that again, I wasn't really I didn't really want to put myself through it again. Um, but I really enjoyed the experience. So it's like, I don't need to play that again. I'm happy with what I had. And it's this sort of, it's a kind of personalized play then, isn't it? That was my play. That's how, what I got out of Stalker, the, what my memory of it. And so sometimes I'm, I did write about this, what, a couple of years ago? Um, in an article called this, the, those honeymoon hours where the start of a game, you know, you get this wonderful feeling of, uh, the game is so open and it's got all these rules which you can't understand. It seems like it's so clever and, and, you know, one step ahead of you. And then as you play more and more through the game, you start to see the patterns of how the game is actually working and the things you thought were cool were actually, okay, this always happens in this situation. And then by the end of the game, um, you're like, well, that wasn't too bad. And if you replay it again, it kind of ruins all the bits that were really cool at the start because now you just see... The, the the rules of the game just in front of you. You see the code. It's the matrix, um, <sighs> and uh, and I, I'm wondering if replay replays are often destroying games. And I, to some extent, when I played Dishonored a second time, um, I felt myself too good at the game. I was using weapons, and that was a lot easier. But yeah. I had really mastered blink and all those skills and how to hide and stuff. And it's like actually this this isn't as cool as the first run. And uh, some of it was a bit like, oh, God, not not the golden cat again. I think, you know, you said two things that were interesting there. I think, you know, your memory of the game is is kind of your canonical expression of it. And then I think also where you said, um, oh, God, not this again. Right. And yeah. I'm thinking specifically of two things that that I did recently. Number one, I've been off and on replaying Deus Ex uh, mm. for about the past month and a half. And. Uh, you know, aside from an aborted uh, attempt at a replay a couple of years ago, I literally had not played that game, you know, for, for 12 years. Um, and so that's been really interesting because I think if you wait that long to replay a game, it it goes from, you know, well, let, let's let's take this. OK, so I played Dishonored and I immediately, as soon as I finished the game, within an hour said, I'm going to replay it because I really enjoyed it and I didn't want it to end. And I played the first level and it just completely left my system. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> I'm actually not going to do this because I am done with this game. Uh, that's on the, that's, that's the, the one end of the spectrum, right? And then you have the, the, the vast other end of the spectrum, which is my Deus Ex, Deus Ex experience, where you have almost completely forgotten the game 
and and what it was like to play the game and so all you have is a hazy memory of certain things that you may or may not have done in the game a decade ago yeah and that makes it almost a new experience and then you have that weird middle ground where you replay a game that you know well you may have played it a couple of years ago you may have replayed it you know six months ago and so replaying the game is more a nostalgia trip for you than anything else. It's not, I want to play this game because I want to experience it. It's more, I want to replay this game because I want to feel how I felt three years ago when I was playing it. And you're trying to recapture an emotion, which I Mm. think is interesting. And so maybe replaying is a lot more about recapturing emotion than it is about actually experiencing what the game is giving you. Yeah, interesting. Anecdotally, um, I'd say that doesn't work for me so well. I don't usually want to pl- replay a whole game. I usually like to capture moments. It's like if I go back and play Half-Life, I find I just like jump around it a bit. I'm like, oh, I remember that bit. And these days I tend to embrace YouTube as a way of conjuring up the memories again rather than actually playing them because, you know, an install takes a long time. <laughs> 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 and uh, I find um, I don't feel the urge to go replaying stuff because especially, I guess, someone writing a video game site, you're thinking, well, you know, I should be looking at all the new stuff coming out. That's that's where the future is, right? And um, Yeah, but I don't, I don't, you know, I, I totally understand that impulse. And I, you know, it, it, it's, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't want to be like that because I want to have some sort of institutional memory with video games. And I think that's, that's a problem that, that we don't have that. I mean, I think, you know, people are so focused on new, 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 new that they forget what has come before a lot of times. And so, you know, I think, I think replaying games allows us to maybe remember games that, you know, we're not, uh, you know, maybe we've forgotten about them. And I think it, it allows us to sort of, uh, clarify in our minds, you know, where games are now. I mean, let's take a perfect example. So, so Bioshock Infinite, um, when, when you hear this, will have come out a week ago. We, we have, uh, we're still a couple of days away from the release date. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that game and I'm, I'm going to, uh, buy it on release day and play it, um, which I have not done in a very long time. I just wow. want to, I want to, I want to be part of the zeitgeist for once. I, I, <laughs> I get, I get to games so late now that, you know, I'm going to make a point of doing this. But at the same time, it's like Bioshock came out six years ago now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to replay Bioshock. I, I have no desire to replay Bioshock whatsoever. Uh, but maybe I should because maybe that would inform my play of Bioshock Infinite. And maybe it would it, it give me something to think about when I'm playing it. In the same way that, you know, people will revisit, you know, dir- you know movies of directors they really like when a new one is coming out. Um, and remind them of what to look for and maybe what, what's missing and what's not. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I really couldn't put myself through Bioshock again. <laughs> I just, <laughs> there was uh, one game where I just left and say, right, I have no desire to play again. It wasn't like I had a bad time, but it was just like I wasn't thrilled um, and really put me off Bioshock 2, which I understand is a better game. Yeah, isn't that the weird thing? I mean, I feel the same way about Bioshock where I played it. And actually, I had a very I had a very bifurcated play experience because I bought Bioshock, played it uh, pretty extensively for, for a couple of weeks, put it down and just had no desire to pick it up again. 
um, and, and, and did not pick it up again for months, like right in the middle of a playthrough, my first playthrough, in fact. And once I finished it, I said, okay, that was interesting, but that game made me feel bad. That game made me feel bad. I don't want to ever play that again because I don't want to <laughs> feel like that again. And to, to tell you why I had that experience with Bioshock, I would have to replay the game. But I found the whole experience so distasteful that I don't want to. <laughs> in in the same way that and, and and that's not a bad thing because I think that's important that we have games that make us feel like that. You know, in, in the same way that um, you know, Dancer in the Dark, for example, I, I saw and I never want to see that movie again, and I know exactly why. Mm. Uh I think that's an, I think that's an important thing for games to do for us. That's interesting. I didn't have that reaction at all. It was more like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but while we're on Bioshock, it captures exactly something I was talking about recently with Dishonored, which is it's one of these games which basically get you to choose the ending on your moral choice. And it's a bit, are we going to come out and say this stuff is a bit rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the difference between, no, Bioshock is pretty much the same as Dishonored in a way. You you have to make the choices all the way through to get the ending. You can't just, you can't just jump in five minutes for the end and change, change how it's going to finish. Um, so you've got to maintain a certain play style all the way through. Um, and that's what Dishonored does as well. As well. They're, they're pretty much clear with their cause and effect. You know, uh, Bioshock is even worse. It says, you know, basically, do you want to do good or would you like to do evil uh, right. every now and then? And it, it's such a terrible choice. I mean, it's it's awful. If you choose the evil option, it's just like, why why would any player do that? Why 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 would you do that <laughs> kind of thing? Well, uh, well, I mean, with with Bioshock, I mean, I, I you know, I think it's interesting because the one the one thing that I'm reminded of always, always, always is when you uh, kill a big daddy and you take the little sister and it's always like, Oh, you can let her go and get a little bit of energy or you can murder her and get a lot. And it's like, and the game keeps telling you that every single time that you kill one. Um, and it just got, it almost got farcical to me because at first I was saving them. And then by the end, the game was pissing me off so much that it was telling me like, do you want to be a Nazi or do you want to be a good guy? I just started killing them because I was, <laughs> I was done with it. I was just like, no, don't tell me what to do. I am going to kill the little girl and get more of this energy. So thank you very much. And I, I think that kind of stuff can backfire, I think is my point. You know, if you keep hammering over the player's head, do you want to be a good guy or do you want to be a bad guy? You're, you're going to get people that just go, you know what? I'm going to be a bad guy because it gets me more stuff. And oh, yeah. I don't And I think that's a dangerous road to go down. I think, well, that's the thing with Bioshock, right? That it didn't actually make any difference anyway. Because if you were good, you'd be given these little... Well, here you are, I'll give you a bit of Adam just because you've been nice every now and then. And it was like, well, okay, so it's just auto-balanced out the moral choice. There is no moral mechanic. We are simply working towards a particular ending. That's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. So it's, it's... Do we want our morals expressed to make... <laughs> Moral choices expressed in mechanics, because if we do, then it becomes this thing of, oh, but the game is telling me to do this to get more stuff. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I will. I, I have two thoughts about that. I think number one, um, and then maybe we can leave Bioshock aside uh, or, or revisit down Bioshock Lane. Um, I'd be curious to see what happens with Bioshock Infinite because I, I was just reading an article today in the New York Times 
uh, big cover story in the arts and leisure section about Bioshock Infinite, um, which blew my mind. But um, that that the game cost a hundred million dollars to make, and they're expecting to spend another hundred million dollars on marketing. And so, if you think about how many copies of the game they'll have to sell just to break even, it's something like four and a half million copies. And I'm terrified of this game because I can't see how this game is going to be a financial success at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is uh, now that we can think about moral choices in terms of mechanics, you have to think about letting the player fail. And I think all of those all of those rebalancing efforts through Bioshock's point of view uh, in the mechanics to get you to succeed, whether you're playing a quote-unquote good character or bad character, uh, are just because it's, it's financially unfeasible to let players fail because they won't buy your next game. Yeah. Yeah, so I was saying the customer's always right. Not even that the customer's always right, but the, the, the customer needs to feel good all the time. I mean, it's really sort of the drug dealer model. <laughs> and we, and now, that I, now that I've accused Ken Levine of being a drug dealer, let's talk about cart life now. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to bring up because that's one way I've sworn off uh, replaying it. Once I completed uh, Melanie, I played first time and I completed successfully first time. Andrus took two goes, but I refused to play a game because the how that, that game felt and the um how, how i didn't see the mechanics the mechanics were very very hard to understand and that was a, a wonderful thing it just felt a lot more alive and real um so playing it again and again and again i already the second time i played andrus i was i was doing quite well so i spent some time exploring a bit of the mechanics and trying to find out what was possible in the game and i felt like i was starting to show up some of its cracks you know how it's its promise of this world was like, ah, actually, I can see some of the walls now. And I just don't want to mess that game up. I'm very happy with, as I said earlier, my memories of it and uh, saying it's a fantastic game. I don't know if I can do that as much if I play it like 20 times to say, whew, I can really game this thing to get myself $2,000 within a day. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing, though. I mean, that's not really the point of cart life, is it? I mean, the the point of cart life is uh, to to live in the experience of being one of those people. And once you've done it once, is there really a point to do it again? I don't know. I got what I needed out of it. Uh, but I think cart life is is interesting because it does it does let the player fail, and it lets the player fail in fundamental ways that even to the point where the player could have to restart the game, and when we talk about replaying i think you know there there's two things going on there's the game can either make you feel really good and so you'll want to play replay the game or in the case of something like cart life the game could allow you to fail and allow the player to fail so spectacularly that they have to restart the game and that is also a replay in effect yeah so i i guess i'm i may be heartened by the fact that there are there are many reasons that a developer can can sort of uh, coerce a player into replaying. I'm not sure that one is better than the other. I just think that they they both have their uses. Yeah. Um, thinking of another example where replay was kind of forced on you, so to speak. 
And that is Lone Survivor, where kind of like <laughs> this is like a major spoiler if anybody hasn't played Lone Survivor. I haven't uh, played it. Are you intending to? Um, I think it's in my Steam library, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because I have many games in my Steam library that I have not played. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to go ahead in this because um, I wrote about it in a piece called Destroy After Playing last year and it's you play through it and you get a particular narrative ending it's a very it's kind of obviously Dave Lynch you know um, uh, inspired type thing and it's also it's Silent Hill 2 slash David Lynch and you get an ending and all the way through the game you're wondering how much is this game going to explain what the hell is going on? Because it's 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 really good at not really giving you that much information all the way through. In that sense, it's more David Lynch. And at the end, there is an ending, and it's like, hmm, I'm, I still don't know what I watched and what all of those funny characters meant and some of the strange shenanigans. And then it does this thing right at the end where it, it basically does this thing or it tells you that it's been monitoring your behavior all the way through the game. And all those little behavioral things, tiny, tiny, there's such tiny details, you wouldn't believe what it's been monitoring, um, has led up to it saying what kind of mental state your character had at the end of the game, which determines um, which determines the narrative end. Which means almost everybody will get the bad ending. Huh. To get the good ending, you really have to go right back to the start, play through the whole thing again, being more conscious of your choices. And it's kind of, I think it's sort of, I can't remember if that was flagged up or hinted somewhere at the start, or there's some sort of clues in there. But I think most people miss it. And it's the intention of Jasper Byrne, it was his intention that people would have to play it twice. I didn't enjoy it that much. It was a kind of I guess it was more like uh, something like Stalker. I was like, it was quite a hard game to play and I was always like, you know, struggling with supplies and stuff like that. And I really didn't want to put myself through all that again just for a different ending. Right. Um, and it was like, uh, why would you do that to me? <laughs> I know there are plenty <laughs> of people who really loved the game, but I just wasn't really interested in playing through the whole thing again to get another ending which had more information. And, you know, I went straight to YouTube. But you know, but you know, Joel, that's a, that's a valid that's a valid reaction too, and I think that that says something about what you got out of the experience and what you know. I think I think the the issue really is that when a developer is expecting the player to replay the game to get something out of it, or is sort of coercing the player into replaying the game, uh, you know, may, maybe you just don't like that. Uh, maybe maybe you want the choice to replay to be to be your choice. Um, yeah, I mean the, then the problem there is, of course, it's it's used this you know it's hit, it's suppressed the the cause and effect that's going on in the game. Card Life also does the same thing. It's not quite clear if the things you're doing are having impacts. The feedback is very very obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lone Survivor was 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 doing this as well but in such a way that sort of really pissed me off. <laughs> just <laughs> With Cartlife, it was like, oh, this is a wonderful game, really hides all the consequences. 
play Lone Survivor, I'm going, Jesus Christ, fuck this game. <laughs> it feels a bit, a little bit unfair, but I think it's because um, it all comes down to its last minute, uh, and it, it, there's no hints at all. It's it's com- fairly, you know, hidden from you that that it's monitoring you so much. Well, card life, you get this feeling it's stuff's going on. You start to treat people like people. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's the important distinction. I mean, you you, you sound like you were playing Lone Survivor more more like a game, whereas you were playing Cart Life uh, more like you would a real a real life, a real person, you know. And 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 I think that's that's the the brilliance of of Cart Life, and um, may, maybe not of Lone Survivor. I don't know. I haven't I haven't played it, um, but but now I'm curious to play it. Uh, um, although now that I know that that's happening. Um, it probably will color the way that I play the game, but um, maybe uh, that's intentional you, too. I don't know. I think you'd still have trouble because I don't think you know what kind of thing it's looking for. Uh, I haven't really revealed exactly what 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 kinds of thing it's tracking, um, hmm. and I I dare say you probably won't guess most of it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I have. Uh, I, I will probably do that then. I, I still have. Um SimCity Four that I've been uh, hacking away at for the past couple of days for whatever reason. Um, but I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about narrative games. I mean, let, let's talk about some of those more procedural games, um, you know, like like your strategy games or your or, or, or things like that. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big uh, strategy game fan. I, I, I don't really enjoy them all that much. Um, but replaying those types of games is a completely different experience. And I think you're supposed to more than you're supposed to replay a narrative game. Um and I know that that you have been maybe getting a little I don't want to say tired of narrative games, but I think we're all starting to see the cracks in them a little bit, and I'm much more interested in games I'm getting much more interested in games as systems, and so I think like playing around with systems is interesting to me and a game that explicitly is about playing it around in a system is interesting to me more so than playing bioshock again maybe this is why um i'm i'm not much of a, a twine freak at the moment uh because it's it's just at the wrong time for me i'm i'm similar to you i'm kind of drifting away i'm seeing too much of the the narrative system in games and twine is exposes that um very clearly like you know, every game you've ever played with a story in it, it's just a twine game with lots of 3D graphics about it, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, I think, yep. well, I, no, I just, I, you know, it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned twine because I feel with twine, I feel the same way about twine games that I do about poetry. I understand why people like it. I appreciate it, but it's not for me. And, you know, I you know, I just don't know that I'm ever going to be all that interested in playing Twine games. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, but going back on your point about uh, games with you know more like systems, yes, I must admit. I mean, I've found myself much more fascinated uh, recently with stuff like um, you know, Kurth Phil was 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 great. I mean, I you can play that any any number of times, and it's it's procedurally generated, so you're not quite sure what you're going to get. And it's really much more about how well you do at the game and, 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 you know, bringing your skills to the table and, and mine are not that great, unfortunately. Um, and same with, um, what other stuff's been going on? Um, what, uh, what other system based games would you say that you've, you've enjoyed recently? 
Well, I would say, I mean, I, I really got into um, Faster Than Light a couple months ago ah. and, and sort of just played it incessantly for about a week. Um, and and I, I generally don't like roguelikes because I, I find them to be exasperating to the point of uh, wanting to throw my computer out a window. But I really got into this one for some reason. I think I got into it partially because I'm a huge Trek nerd. And so it was it was basically like I was... Uh, you know, commanding the enterprise <laughs> for, for a week. Uh, but, you know, I, I find roguelikes to be really interesting, you know, in, in, in light of this whole replay discussion, because they are explicitly designed to, for you to fail and to fail hard lots of times and to replay the game as many times as you can stand before you just get sick of it and can't do it again. And, I find that really interesting. I, I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? Well, I think roguelikes roguelikes are interesting, uh, especially recently. Um, I think it's a uh, it's considering I, I was there at the birth of roguelikes and uh, I enjoyed playing the uh, Apshai series, um, which was which is basically around the time Rogue came out. Um, I've not really been into them that much, um, no. but over the last couple of years, I mean. Zaga 33, that's a roguelike, and I had a lot of fun with that. That's a different kind of roguelike because it's got a very, the end isn't very far from the start. It's not like you can go on for, for, for hours and hours and play that game. I think FTL is fairly short as well, is that right? It is, yeah. It, it, you can get through it in about you know two hours maybe. It's not very long. Yeah, I just find um, some of the, I don't know, the the, the randomness of is is kind of interesting. It just throws up these interesting scenarios and it's just seeing can you how how well you can get through it i think uh, zaga 33 does have a slight performance um statistic in terms of your end end score but i don't think it really rewards you too much if you play you lots of times once you've beaten it you probably don't want to play it again but i think something like ftl there's more replayability there am i right i i think so i mean i you know it it depends on what kind of roguelike it is but i i think in general you know, the replayability of, of roguelikes is more to do with learning the ins and outs of the system and less to do with getting better at the game. Because the whole point of a roguelike, of course, is that you can't really get better at the game. It's totally random. So at any point, you can be just overwhelmed um, in the first turn. And so, you know, it's all about learning strategies about how to deal with what the game is throwing at you. And I think with, with, uh, with FTL, uh, it, it does have the roguelike problem where you can move off the first square and you get attacked by a ship that is four times as powerful as you and there's nothing you can do and you just die immediately. Uh, you know, but, but I found myself interested by it because the more that I replayed the game, the better I got at anticipating uh, you know how to get out of situations mm. and more so than uh getting better at the game in a sort of um mechanical level because yeah. you really you really can't you know um it's all about dealing with with things as they come to you and and, and it's 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 really i think it teaches you uh a lot about how to play games more so than replaying dishonored wood mm. I think um, I'm also playing, um, been having a little go at uh, Teleglitch recently. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, I have. Um, that is 
very hard. <laughs> I must admit, the the randomness doesn't strike me as a. Uh, I feel like when I've played the say the first level several times now, it all feels a little bit similar. Like, oh yeah, this bit here and this bit here. And it's it's kind of it, the rearrangement isn't massive, and the the uh, it. I, I can sense like, oh yeah, I've got to be careful here because this might be the room with the things in or something like that. It's it's not truly, truly random, but it's still, it's still killing me very quickly. <laughs> I've, I haven't made it to level three um, and it's got 10 levels. And yeah, it's making me replay it a, a fair few times. I suppose we really should call that, you know, it's a, it is a... It is a replay. Just getting to level ten and, and finishing the game. It, there's more going on here. I'm, I'm still. If I'm playing the same level like so many times, what I'm actually trying to do is get more efficient and improve my performance. And it's kind of. It pretty much is what we're going to say old school hardcore gaming. You know where it's not about the ending. It's about your journey of becoming better at the game. Yeah. Well, you know, now that you say that. Um... You know, maybe this is a good way to to sum up the whole conversation. But you know, I've been completely remiss in not mentioning Dark Souls at all. I mean, that is uh, perhaps the best example of replay as game mechanic because you are explicitly supposed to replay the game over and over and over again until you get so good at it that you can do it with your eyes closed. And it it it's it's a brilliant game in that death always feels like it's your fault it (laughs) never feels like you're being cheated in any way and the 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 replayability of the game is a complete game mechanic you could not play that game without it as a game mechanic and so maybe that is you know the way forward for for replayability at least for games that um don't you know at least the big the big games you know i i don't know that that dark souls could pull that off over and over and over again. Mm. I don't know that you can pull that off a lot because the game is so difficult and the game is is so challenging. And I don't want to overstate the, ch- the challenge of the game or the difficulty of the game. I mean, once you, you know, once you figure out how the mechanic works, you can sort of anticipate what is happening and you can anticipate how to get through trouble spots, and you can even anticipate what a trouble spot is going to look like. And so the first half of of Dark Souls is much more difficult than the second half. Um, But you do still have to replay it over and over and over and over again. And I don't know. I just find that interesting. I think, you know, the, the, the intention of the replay is perhaps the most important part. Yeah. Shall we wrap it up there? Yeah, I think that's a good place to end. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Eric. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.